Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. In 2023, Harry Sheasel did what many thought couldn't be done. Start as a cash cow, but by the end of the season was a premium. Can he take the next level for us in 2024? We'll unpack that on today's episode of the 50 Most Relevant. Hey, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you are enjoying this pre-season series where we unpack who I think are the most relevant players to discuss across Supercoach, Dream Team and AFL Fantasy. Joining me on this episode to talk about Harry Sheasel is fellow co-founder of the Coaches Panel, Rids. Hello, mate. How you doing? Mate, what up? What a player to talk about, MJ. Like this guy, he did everything, didn't he, last year? We actually even traded him out. We cashed in on the cash that he had generated and we were trading him back in afterwards. It was ridiculous how it worked. He could not have had a better season from a rookie perspective. He averaged 99.5 for us in Supercoach, 15 tons on a top score last year. Of course, it's his career high, given it's his first season of AFL, a 136. He's priced over $550,000 for us in Supercoach. While over in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, he gave us an average of 97.3, 11 tons in that format, and a top and career high score of 129. He's priced just under $900,000 for us in Dream Team and $878,000 in AFL Fantasy. Rids, I think everybody, when it came to round one, had Harry Sheasel in their starting squad. He was on field and we were looking at him going, we know this kid is a junior a really classy user of the ball. Well, we know with North Melbourne rebuilding, he's going to get plenty of opportunities. When we saw him got moved to the preseason um, halfback role in some of those practice and preseason matches, it was like, okay, well, the he might be able to get us a 70 or an 80. I don't think anybody saw as good as a Nick Dacos was in the season prior in that role. He outperformed Nick Dacos in this role just 12 months later. Gosh, Harry was phenomenal for us. And on top of that, there was a variable that we weren't even banking on. Like we were hopeful, but that DPP gain off defense and having that forward defense positional aspect was just amazing. Whether you use that to trade into our value option in the other line, whether it was just an interchangeable, you know, another person to help cover the buys, he was just amazing on every level. And like when we entered round one last year, we were going, okay, this kid's very, very talented, yeah? But he was a forward, mid. We were thinking, what's this new role as halfback? What can he actually do? You know, the halls, the zebels. There was a lot of stuff going on. No one would have. No one would have even considered that was going to be the outcome. <laughs> like, like wow, we yeah. It, it couldn't have got better for him from a, just getting comfortable at the AFL level, and from us, from a fantasy and super coach perspective, couldn't have got better. He was eleventh in the league for overall effective disposals per game, not just amongst rising stars. Everyone, 
top 10 in the league for uncontested possessions per game. Again, that statistic might not be so surprising given the way North Melbourne chose to deny opposition the ball in that defensive half. And he, alongside Zebel and Hall, amongst others, certainly benefited from that. I mentioned those seasonal averages of 90 plus across all of the formats and double digit hundreds. Well, there's also some 120s in there highlighting the ceiling. And in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, just the four sub 80 scores all year. So great basement along with ceiling and just the seven in Supercoach. And as the season went on, especially in Supercoach, you mentioned that we we traded him a little bit before the buyer at his buy. Well, people were trading back into him and post-buy in Supercoach, he went at 103.1, which was a bump of almost six points per game for what he was doing pre-buy. And it was comparable in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. He goes 97.7 pre-buy, 96.6 post-buy normally. And we saw it a little bit with Dacos. As the season went on in their debut, we know these first-year players, they do slow a little bit. Their scoring becomes a little bit more roller coasterish but not so much with harry now he enters this new season with some departures in our defensive line ranked sixth for defenders overall in afl fantasy and third for defenders for total points while in supercoach eighth for defenders by average sixth for defenders by points we know just how good he is i don't think that's the question But Rids, there's a couple of things that I think are really important to talk about because we look at him and we go, gun, gun, gun. All right, well, let's just pull the brakes for a second. I feel there's a couple of interesting elements we need to dive down. The first, and I'm keen on your reflections here, is around role. Is he in this halfback cushy role where he scored so well? Is he playing in the inside mitts? Or is he going to play as a half-forward Steve Johnson, Toby Green type that he'd been kind of groomed as a a junior, that that was more where he was? So let's talk about him in this halfback role. We know Zach Fisher's coming in, likely to add some support through there. Rids, is it as simple for you that if Sheasel's lined up halfback, then he's an absolute strong consideration, not just for upgrade, but for starting squads? I don't think it's as simple as that, MJ. So what I think is going to likely happen, okay, is he will start in this touted midfield role. Now, I can't predict whether it's inside, more outside. No one can, righty-ho. But you think about the personnel, his teammates. We got Simpkin. We got Wardlaw. We got LDU. How many inside mids could you potentially want in that mix? Like, and do you really want your absolute gun superstar young kid that you're going to pretty much invest the next 10 to 15 years on inside at the age of 19? Like, I don't see it happening, but it could. I didn't see Mm. him go into the halfback and averaging close to 100 last year. So you just don't know with Clarkson Radio, but let's go back another step. What can we do, though, is you can actually see that North are going to start the year. They're going to be a bit ambitious. They're going to go, hey, we've got natural improvement. We've got natural progression. But MJ, what do they know about 2023? What do we Hmm. know about 2023? When they lost and they were getting beaten badly, 
their game style changed to keepings off the opposition right. just so they can actually limit their scoring and limit the damage to stay in games longer. And that was often Zebel to Sheasel, Sheasel to Zebel, Zebel to Sheasel, <laughs> Sheasel to Zebel. It's like the Sheasel, Zell, Zills brothers, or whatever the Basham brothers, whatever you want to call them. They, that's what happened though. They were just t- touching the ball and keeping off. Guess what, MJ? Mm. What do you forecast that round five is going to happen if North Melbourne are zero and five? There's every chance that they resort back to minimize the damage. Correct. Let's retain the ball a little bit more. So just just because he's starting in a role and they're going to blood him in that role and they're going to give him exposure in the role doesn't mean he's committed to the role for the whole season for even whole games of football. We've even seen Nick Dacos as a perfect example. He floats between halfback and mid, dependent. He's even pushed forward at times, MJ. Yeah. Dependent on what the game you know, calls out for at that point in time. So just that, it's in itself, wowee, yeah? So it's a lot of guesswork in that, a lot of gut feels, a lot of – it's a punt, yeah? And then it you're going to have to rely on a bit of luck whether that outcome matches that punt. Absolutely. We, we talked a lot about Zach Fisher a, a little bit over a week, 10 days ago in the 50 most relevant that we believe at the coaches panel, he's been brought in to play this halfback role. It helps free up others and, and he becomes that distribution outlet and option. It wouldn't shock me at all. We've seen with Clarko that he's happy to give kids an opportunity to develop off the halfback to react. So it wouldn't shock me at all to see a Colby McKercher get a little bit more nurtured through AFL football. He goes into that halfback role at times, and we do see Harry move into this midfield. I'm curious, Rids. We, we talked a little bit yesterday with Van uh, about some stoppage and transition trends in scoring. Um, it's an interesting thing to look at because North Melbourne are a heavy Look at those midfielders that you mentioned, the Wardlaw, the Simpkin, the LDU, throw Phillips and Powell if you want to in the mix there. Heavy stoppage team. Love that in tight, win the footy, and then explosive move the ball on quickly from those moments. I suppose I've got two questions for you off the back. I know you've done a ton of work um, around the transition and stoppage trends. Uh, Jaden Popowski's an absolute legend in the community has given you some data that you've done some analysis on for us as well. Can you talk to me about how, if Harry goes into the midfield, what that means for him? And if there's some parallels to some players in the AFL from similar styles of clubs that are heavy stoppage and then score off transition that we might be able to kind of get some learnings and insights from. So due to the unknowns and the variables, okay, that are going to dictate what mid-role Sheasel plays, what I did was I just did a like-for-like, okay? So, and we've only got one year of data for Sheasel, so we can't go and add more and more and more layers to it. So what I did was I reached out to old mate, and I've got to give Vams a bit of credit here, he was talking about Dunkley and I was intently listening to it. And what happened was it sort of went ding, 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 ding. This is might be how we could use some of this data that someone like Jaden, who's an absolute genius at gathering and 
displaying it and getting people to interpret what they need to out of the data can use for it. So I reached out to um, Jaden and seriously, MJ, I know I'm old, but like this is a new layer, layer okay? Jaden's probably young enough to be my grandson. Like <laughs> it's ridiculous, okay? And the amount of talent this kid has is just and he's so nice. So to anyone listening, I would just want to call out Jaden Papowski. If you don't give him a follow, give him a follow, will you? Instagram X, he's on all of those. He's a yeah, whatever it is. If he's on OnlyFans, oh. go and substitute and register and actually sub to him, okay? <laughs> so it doesn't matter what it is. The kid deserves it. Whatever he gets, he gets. So Sheasel's um, transitional to stoppage ratios okay mm. for last year we're looking at 25 to 28 okay which is really it's out there it's crazy okay it's he's uncontested monster like so what i did was i reached out to jade and said hey jade you want to do a quick search for me on a few people and i found two guys that really interested me one was jordan Dawson, your man from last mm -hmm. year. And like, I know that um, you had Josh Dunkley number one, but if we know what we know now, Dawson was number one, okay, last cool. year. Dawson, when he was playing that halfback role a few years ago, mm. his ratio was 80 to 25. So straight away, very similar to the Sheasel, okay? Very heavy transition scoring, yeah. What happened, though, was he went inside to mid last year and his ratio leveled out. And we saw it with Dunkley yesterday, okay, how you it's generally closer to that 50-50 split when you're playing that inside mid role. So Dawson then started doing the 60 to 50 ratios, okay, from last year. So straight away, my mind was going crazy, going, okay, I saw Dawson in that role last year. He played predominantly inside mid. He was actually a stoppage king at times. But he did roll back and he did have a little bit of that half back, a little bit of that linkage transitional mm. play. But he was absolutely inside, okay? And again, that's due to personnel at the Adelaide mm. Crows. If we think about it, okay, we had Rochelle, we had Rankin going through that midfield to try and inject some speed into it. But the mainstays were Laird and Dawson. Hmm. So, and that's where I'm getting concerned because North Melbourne's personnel was Simpkin and Wardlaw, LDU. Very, very relatable, you know. So I would have to say Sheasel to match a Dawson type would have to have that very heavy inside mid role, okay, for the output of when he plays mid. Hmm. The other guy that jumped out at me, Jack Crisp, a few years yeah. ago. So his splits were 62 to 70 a few. Um, sorry, 62 to 30. Sorry, I can't read my notes. Um <laughs> And, you know, the worst thing about it is I typed them. So there's nothing about my handwriting, okay? But 62 to 30 is the ratio splits, okay, for turnovers to stoppage. Um, transitional, sorry, because turnovers are part of transitional points in the split. Yep. Um, and for those out there that aren't quite across it, it's kick-ins and turnovers are pretty much how they class the transitional point breakage, um, breakdown, sorry. 
When he went into the mid, though, the ratio became 42 to 53. So it was very it, – it almost flipped. The stoppage was the predominantly the way that Chris scored, playing in that role. Again, if you think about it, when he was playing that mid-role, he was very inside, accountable. You think of Tom Mitchell came into the pies last year – and became that accountability at that. That's the reason why Dunkley potentially dropped his average because he was, his role was known. Okay. In that Brisbane setup in that Brisbane. So that's why when Ashcroft disappeared, it wasn't Dunkley that got that influx of extra, you know, splits he actually had the same ratio to ratio whether Ashcroft was there or not because he role he his role was known in that breakdown in that system the Brisbane system they'd say same with Crisp okay his role was very known with no Tom Mitchell so that's how I'm sort of looking at it. So what we can do then is we can actually start looking for trends in these sort of ratios to see what Sheasel's scoring trends are going to dictate to us as rounds go through as the season continues. So by about round four or five or six, we should have a nice looking trend to tell us what he's actually doing. Because it's going to be very hard to dictate off the eye with Sheasel because he's just that good and he's so quick and he's they're going to want him a little bit more outside as well at times to utilize his skill level of disposal as it enters 50. So there's a lot to unpack in that space, but I just wanted to show how you could use that data that guys like Jaden do as a full-time type of job to actually, you know, frank what the eye or the gut is telling you what that role is actually doing. I think it's really, really helpful. And it's a new area for the fantasy footy community to start doing. Because often we would just do, uh, if he's off far back, I'll go get him. And if he's not, well, we'll wait and see. Or they have to get centre bounce midfield minutes to score. And then we do it. Whereas we don't always see that correlate of centre bounce and a high inside midfield role transitions into scoring. And, and, and so this is a new area and dynamic of the fantasy footy community that for some, they hear people talk about stoppage and scoring and transition trends. It's like, I'm not with you. And others are going, Yes, this is exactly the nuances of data that I'm looking for. I think when it comes to a Harry Sheasel, we will know a lot as this preseason unfolds. Already David King, as um, a former North Melbourne great, a, a football commentator, has come down and said, look, numerous occasions, he's gone down to training and seen Harry Sheasel train, playing through the inside midfield role. Now, here's what I'll say about that. When you play match simulation against each other, you need double of everything. So is this just training and giving me exposure and experience? We'll wait and see as the preseason yeah. evolves. There's another this, variable to that. Yeah, MJ. please. North Melbourne know what he's going to do in that halfback role. So why would he need 100%. to train in it? Hundred percent. Like they know they can throw him behind the ball at any time to slow it down, to keep hold of the ball, to keep it off the opposition. They already know that. So he doesn't need to train in it. Give the kid exposure through preseason in that newer role. 
Yeah. Give a Colby McKercher the chance to learn that. Give a, a Zach Fisher to learn this system. Give Harry the chance to build up that endurance, to learn what it's like to stand alongside one of the best clearance mids in an LDU to go, okay, if this is where I'm going to potentially get over my career, this is what it means. This is how I've got to train and build and get to. So that's the beauty of what the preseason holds for us is we don't just take a narrative and go A equals C without understanding what can happen. Is there a world where Harry Sheasel starts pre-season playing through the center bounce midfielder and in round one, he goes back to half back? Yeah, that's absolutely it. Is there also a world where he plays as an inside mid, but they try to get him as that second touch player and let the likes of a Wardlaw and an LDU win that first hard touch, get that stoppage, clear it out and he becomes the class on the outside and starts to sit a little bit more in that space that you mentioned of Jordan Dawson. Yeah, that is the case. So MJ, people are sitting at home right now pulling their hair out. Why don't you use Nick Dacos as the obvious comparison? Hmm. You know what? I would love to use Nick Dacos as the obvious, but Australia and AFL is not up to date with the data that's required to actually track this stuff they are not at this point in time and hopefully it changes in the near future we're not directly associating these trends to a position yet no not yet it would be lovely to have those breakdowns okay when Dacos went into the midfield this was his breakdown of the transitional points and the stoppages oh as a half back this was his breakdown if we had that we would be talking about it right correlated now. as much as we like yeah yeah we don't have it so that is why you know vams even said it yesterday like we're a little bit behind where we should be okay as a, as a sporting code um, in, in terms of our data analysis in terms of what's publicly available but um, you know what i'm going to flip it a little bit please on the positive how cool is it to be able to throw a bit of data behind some of our theories? And you know what? It may not end up eventuating because there is a level of um, translation through this. Sure. It may not eventuate, but guess what? We're doing guesswork anyway. We're going off hearsay. How many times, you know, in the preseason, in days gone by, did we have a gut feel? Oh, I'm going to back my eye. Well, how do you frank your eye test? How do we make sure your eye test is actually reliable? We're starting to get a little bit more advanced, a little bit more able to do so. But again, there's a lot of translation, a lot of interpretation required when we do so. Certainly is. How regular does a player in their second season of AFL football increase their scoring? let alone at the level that Sheasel is, hold or transition to the next tiers of becoming a premium or a top-end premium. Can I tell you? It's really pretty rare. Over the past 10 or so years, there are guys like Jackson McRae, Nat Fife, Tim Taranto, Marcus Bontempelli, Clayton Oliver, and a Nick Dacos who have all done that. They're not the only ones that have done it, but how common is a second-year player to hold or increase his scoring by any significance? It's not normative. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That said, how many first-year 18-, 19-year-old players come out and average 90-plus? can tell you, it's not that many. It's all about pulling those data threads, understanding the game of football, using statistics to as far we know, then pulling every other piece of known information we can. Here's what we know about Harry Sheasel and about North Melbourne. When he's in that halfback role and North Melbourne are trying to maintain possession, He's right up there with the best premium defenders that we have, and he'll need to be, given that's what we're paying for him, if he's in that role. As Rids has done a great job for us, if he gets some of that midfield time, given the guys that sit in this North Melbourne midfield, he'll need to be getting heavy stoppage ball to make sure his scoring rate can hold up. Because again, we're paying for him in our starting squads at a premium price tag level. Is he going to have some role volatility? Ultimately, the season will only unfold it for us. But if he's in that inside midfield role and getting clearances and winning stoppages and being farmed through the football in transition as well, okay, there's a world where this guy picks up defensive mid status and is still a premium for us. There's a world where he stays across that halfback line and unless North Melbourne's game style becomes more attacking and less possession heavy, then he, we know what he's going to be. He could help you through those early buys with no North Melbourne buys through those opening round and early best 18s. But it's rare that a player of his age and experience delivers it. So is he an upgrade or is he someone to start? I think the information you get through this back bit of January and through February through preseason matches, through press conferences, through injury variables that come, and ultimately watching your eye and backing some of that data that Reeds has walked us through will ultimately give us the great indication of what we do. Before I'm just going to say as well, Reeds, Jay, yeah, is there something else there? I Every time we see someone move from the fence into the midfield, and this is in recent times, okay, we doubt initially, okay, we go, can't be done, not going to be done, whatever. You think of Laird, that first year he moved into the midfield. You think of Callum Mills, the first year that he moved in. Jordan Dawson was not the number one defender chosen across the formats for round one last year. Mm-hmm. We keep doubting. So there's more reason to doubt when it's an 18 or 19-year-old kid doing it in his second year. Yeah. But the thing is, don't put a limit on these guys. These guys are guns for a reason. Absolutely. We are seeing more and more young players come through and hit their strides at younger ages. We're seeing more and more first-year players not just limping over the line to averages in 50s and 60s, but being really strong 70s, 80s, and in Sheasel's case, 90-plus averaging players. Do you have to start him? <laughs> of course not but you have to consider him. You have to put him on your watch list and you have to keep a really firm eye. If he doesn't start for you, where is his role? 
What is some of that stoppage rate? Where is he playing? What is that North Melbourne game style? And is he ripe for me to get at a price point to trade into? Did North Melbourne slow down that ball movement? There's lots of unknowns, but there's lots of things that you can put in your little fantasy footy black book. Ask yourself, what do I need to see? And as the preseason and early season gets along, you tick them off. Ritz, draft day is interesting to me to see where he goes. He's a top 10 defender across all the formats. So he's going as someone's D1, but probably the greatest variable on draft day, especially linked to Harry, is the timing of your draft and the amount of information that comes out. If it comes out, he's playing as that high half forward with a little bit of inside mid, but we want him on the outside. There's a world where I see him not just not only being a D1, but fading outside of the top 50 selections overall. Equally, we see a really defined halfback or a defined inside midfield role. All of a sudden, he's a D1 and a top 30 overall selection. So I know that's the greatest variable, but where do you feel comfortable drafting Harry Sheasel on draft day? Okay, so there's two categories of draftees or drafters in this scenario, okay? Someone who's owned Sheasel last year and just loves him. Mm. Guess what? They're going to hype him anyway. They're taking him as a D1, okay? Then there's going to – so it doesn't really matter. So if you're one of those categories, you're the only one in your market for Sheasel. I want to make that very clear. Don't rank him as a D3 and expect him to be there as a D3. You're not going to get him. So you just have to make one decision on draft day. Do I want to own Sheasel and am I comfortable He's my D1. Whether he regresses, improves, irrelevant. Do I want to own him? Do I want to have a kid that I love to watch, that I want to own? You've got to enjoy fantasy and drafts, yeah? So at times we want to own someone we enjoy watching. Hmm. If that's Sheasel, you have to plan accordingly and you have to take him as a D1. But plan for it. Don't plan him, uh, I'm going to let him slide to the sixth or seventh round and yeah. take him as my D1 because that's just, it's not it's not realistic, yeah? No. So People draft off actually, previous averages. They don't draft off a lot of things. Yeah, but there's also drafting off what they enjoyed the year prior. And I can tell you now, everyone owns Sheasel on a salary cap format last year no matter what format you played yeah so everyone enjoyed it everyone wants to see a hundred point rookie you know averaging Mm -hmm. rookie people are gonna have like a large investment in getting sheasel to their team so if you want sheasel as your d1 rank your priorities accordingly there is enough correlation in some people's eyes while the data might not be as detailed as we like to go well he played the same role as nick dacos off halfback nick dacos became one of the best defenders for us last year he had a better first year than dacos maybe he'll have a better second year all it takes is one person to be bullish on a player Mm -hmm. on draft day and they'll go quick if you really want someone maybe you've got to rank him around or two earlier equally if you're cold on a player 
that's okay. You just can't be disappointed if you rank them accordingly. Rids, as always, an absolute pleasure to talk fantasy footy with you. And Harry Sheasel's a great player to unpack for 2024. Anytime, mate. You just call me whenever you want to chat and we'll chat fantasy all day, yeah? It sounds great. Our wives won't like that, but that's totally fine. We can make that happen. If you want to go and check out the corresponding article for Harry or any of the other players we've revealed so far in the 50 most relevant, you can do that now at coachespanel.tv. Uh, the links, if you want to follow Jaden, by the way, who Rids alluded to, we've got his Instagram and his X or Twitter handle for you in the description of this episode. So you can jump in there wherever you're watching it on YouTube or you're listening to it over Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever is jump into the description of this episode you can go and check it out if you are listening to this audio podcast make sure you follow us leave a five-star rating and review and share the episode with a mate or your fantasy footy community that group in your draft league let them know about the great content you've been able to hear about this preseason. and if you're on youtube do you agree with some of the takes that we've shared about Harry Sheasel, about some of the stoppage trends and where and how this might impact Harry? Well, you can have your say in the comments below. Subscribe, turn the notifications on. Every single day this preseason, we're dropping a fresh video, not just in the 50 most relevant, but preseason long. There's videos dropping every single day. In 30 seconds, I'll tell you who's coming in next at number 31 of the 50 most relevant. But if you do love what you've got from the coaches panel this preseason, maybe you've been listening for a couple of years now, can I encourage you become part of the Patreon? A couple of dollars a month, support the coaches panel as we every single day are giving you some of the best fantasy footy content covering super coach, AFL fantasy and dream team. If you want to do that, whether it be at a cash cow, breakout or premium tier level, all the details to become a Patreon and a supporter of the coaches panel and the description. MJ, you've got to be better at sales, mate. You've got to right. go for the top oversell. Okay. okay. Go for the top. And then if they accommodate and say, no, I'm happy to pay less, at least we get something. And then we can pay Jaden for going and getting us some data every now and then. All right. Do as Rid said. There you go. Details in the description of that. So who's at 31 tomorrow in my 50 most relevant? Time for another collab. The 30s have been the decade of the collab, hasn't it? JD from the fantasy footy community. He's been really successful over the past number of years in AFL fantasy and in Supercoach. He joins me for a special episode. He's a player that this time last year, I don't think was on that many people's radars. But as the preseason matches went on, everybody had him. And by season's end, he was one of the most dominant scorers who we felt most weeks we could put a vice captaincy or a captaincy on and get incredible ceiling. But a little bit has changed for him, for his club, and for the makeup of that team in 2024. Is he relevant? You bet he is. So even if you don't start him, even if you've got some concerns about what may unfold for him and his team early in the preseason, yeah you're going to want to keep an eye on him in 2024. Who is he? Find out tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant. <laughs>